Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery. Monday Distillery is a new age beverage company revolutionising the way we look at having a night out with friends. They make sophisticated, non-alcoholic beverages that are sugar-free and full of social graces. Now you can enjoy a good time, love what you drink and love yourself the next day too. Stay high in spirits, keep a clear mind. Cheers to Monday. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today I'm joined by Tracy Cochran. Hey Trace, how are you going? Very well, Danny. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. So um, Tracy was one of the participants in my three-month challenge that started in January this year and has just done so well <laughs> that I just wanted to, yeah, for you to come on and share your story. Yeah, so thank you for coming on. As I always ask everyone, when did it start for you? When did you start drinking? I was probably like most people. I would say 14, 15 would have been my first dabble, I guess, um, experimenting with alcohol. And it really didn't take hold because I had my journey with anorexia in between that. So, of course, alcohol was very fattening. So um, mm. I avoided avoided it, but it really was, and I was only just working it out when I've been on this whole lovely journey, mm. um, but was when I split with the kid's dad. Um, mm. So in my mid-twenties and I had that every second weekend to myself and being a person that didn't like being alone to go out and to be with people and feel a part of it of course I I drank and then it took off from there really yeah very quickly. That's interesting sorry just going back because um the anorexia thing which I only learned about that you had that you were anorexic I only learned about that recently when you came to visit and um you know, that's like, that's a massive journey in itself. It certainly was. So that 
for me began if I, if I go back and where the the history of anorexia I suppose but again I've only sort of it's all resonated and come together over the last with this with this journey in that mm. I was a kid that I guess it wasn't a mum I know my mum loved me deeply but she was almost a single parent pretty much until my dad left anyway mm. and so she had to work and she had three jobs at, at one time and I think with all the the fights and arguments that were when I was little, um, I became very needy mm. um, and attention-seeking. Mm. Um, so to go back, for example, probably nine, to wake up to mum and dad full-on fighting, and the only way that I knew how to stop them was to make out I was sick. Mm. And so that would stop them, so one would come come to me. But I think sort of kind of that attention, needing, needing to feel safe needing the whole every child does need to feel safe and 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 loved Mm. I guess and so I think it it, well they the doctors back then said it was behind that attention for the love of my father because he I couldn't get he just wasn't a very present dad um he he drank every night he was at the pub every night and so although it didn't hit him until probably well it was five years after he left or four years after he left um I'd started hairdressing and I was in that whole people looking good it was way out of my comfort zone because I wasn't overly confident. So you can imagine these artistic hairdressers of the 80s and, um, <laughs> and me trying to be noticed. And then all of a sudden within six months, I'd gone from probably 62 kilos to 38 kilos and hospitalized for six months. So, God. yeah, and that kind of went on and off up until I was 21 and I met the kid's dad. And my weight rose to 60, back to 61 kilos. And I had the two kids and never looked back as far as that went until we broke up. Um, And then the alcohol started. And then the alcohol started. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Right. So when you started to drink around at that stage, did it feel, what was alcohol doing for you then? I mean, you said you didn't want to be on your own. So was it? It helped me fit in. I wasn't an overly confident out there person Mm. and I guess I learned again from a very young age, which I've spoken to you about that, how my body was a good way to get attention. That was something that was brought upon me as, as a 10 year old. And that obviously also contributed to my anorexia and all the rest of it. But for me, was that as in sexual abuse? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was three, three boys for a year and a half. And as a 10 year old, and it's t- obviously took me a long time to realise it wasn't my fault. <laughs> I was only yeah. a kid. Yeah. So, yeah, so that sort of carried on. And for me to fit in, the best way I knew how was to use my body. So I made lots of friends, lots of male friends. And it's funny even uh, when I look at it now, the attention-seeking, yes, I would have my intent on I'll have you. And then um, that person would actually fall in love or we'd get very, very close and wanted a relationship and we'd start a relationship. And it was almost every time that we'd get to a point and then I'd push them away. And so it's almost as if I'd conquered. And so Mm. now you're gone. But so alcohol was a a big, a big, big part of me having the confidence to do that because it wasn't, wasn't something I'd just go out and you know, sober. There's no way that I would go and just pick somebody up and, um, Mm. and bring them home. So it doesn't seem to me like there's a lot of love going on for yourself at all, like yeah, with all that. And even with the not being able to receive love potentially, you know, the pushing people away if they got too close. 
absolutely that's and that's all been in my learning um since obviously joining joining you and um mm. my journey with alcohol because I have attempted to stop well I did stop and I've been so I've had four lots of uh rehab uh visits so in the in the, one was a det- of two detox and two were actually in there for because I attempted suicide twice <laughs> and it's yeah it just sounds, oh, it sounds pitiful talking about someone you're building, but um what I what I do want to say is that the sounds journey honest. Is, yeah, it doesn't it sound is, pitiful it sounds honest sorry what else can I can't change it um mm-hmm. and I don't want to as as such from the learning that I have now and I mean you, you all know how we well, we feel so good the, the, the group were just fantastic in that I didn't just stop drinking this time and yeah. I I didn't want to play the victim anymore because that's it was almost like I never would allow myself to be feeling good and if anyone's if anyone said you know how are you it was like oh yeah I'm all right but and it was always as if I had to have this illness or this something and it was like oh my god I'm driving myself mad um <laughs> but at the same time I was when I was drinking I was a fun I didn't have to drink I know that but um now but just didn't feel it without when unless I was drinking so when I was drinking I was a happy fun didn't have any sickness didn't have any illness didn't care you know I could I could have joy in being not me I guess yeah yeah so how bad did it get so before you were going into these rehabs and things like that obviously that's the last resort for a lot of people so how like how quickly did it escalate to that point and what was going on then? Okay, so went through my mid-20s to my 40s, um, 45, probably started daily drinking because um, I was in hospitality yeah. at the time. So, you know, the first thing you do was knock off, have a drink, and, and that was acceptable and, and just became more acceptable. Um, then I would actually have a drink before work because for me it would make the shift go quicker or whatever it um, whatever it did but I kept it really in control until the kids were I'll say control they probably tell you differently um, but I could maintain work I could maintain I did to get them everywhere they needed to be to their school to their sport to you know their after sport whatever other school stuff and then it was um, I met my husband and my just after I turned 40 or just before I turned 40 and for me, it was like I had somebody to care for me now. So it kind of like I, I gave, because being a single parent for so many years, there was mm. never time to think about myself. It was always about the kids. And mm. I always always said to like to, to Megan, my, it was my saviour from anorexia, because once I had her, I didn't have to think about myself anymore. I had someone else to think about. Yeah. And I guess so having to be so independent for so long and then being with my husband and Oh, and he was, he was, he was an, an enabler. He allowed me to drink, he'd like whatever I wanted to do. And where I was, I guess I was hiding it a lot and only doing it at night when the kids were getting ready for bed or whatever. And to the point where it was the minute I knocked off work, that was my, my drinking time until I passed out every, every single night. Always knew that it was wrong, but not wrong, but didn't, didn't fit with me or didn't sit with me, but didn't know how to stop. And because I guess I'd had so many hospitalizations with anorexia for me, that was an easy step to make was I knew that the hospital, cause I knew when I was anorexic, I didn't have to make any decisions. They were all made for me. 
Yeah. And so the pressure that was taken off to go into a facility knowing that I couldn't drink and it's a bit like when you decide to stop drinking, that, that fight with your head is, is gone because you've mm. you stopped. You don't have to have that, um, mm. that issue anymore. So, um, so the first time, yeah, so that was nine months and that was in just a detox, a public detox facility, which, I mean, I understand and it's grateful for them for, um, for what they do, but it was certainly no place or no, not nice. You didn't have mm. a private room. You're kind of, it was all just, yeah. Um, and then obviously the suicide attempt. So that was taken away from me about my choice. I was in, I was hospitalized for um, about five weeks. What led to that, Trace? Like what got you to that point of? I think, well, I know it was just, I felt I was, I was letting everybody else down as well as like, cause I didn't care. Like I just, um, it's not that I didn't care. I did, but I just wanted the head to stop being, and I'll relate it back to anorexia again, the fight that you have in your head that constantly it's like, I want to eat, but I can't eat. And it just, my hand would, I don't know if you can see what I'm doing, but it's that my hand to my mouth. And, but yet that side of me was pulling my anorexic side said, no, you know, like you're not having it. Whereas it's the opposite with alcohol because my head's saying no, but my mind's saying yes, you do. And it's just, it was just too much, Danny. I just felt like everybody would be better off without me. Um, and was, so that was directly kind of related. I'm sure other things came off the back of it, but it was really because of the alcohol yeah. the suicide attempt. Yeah. I just yeah. didn't feel as though I had any control. I didn't want to end up hurting someone driving or doing I, I don't know I was just in such pain is all I could say and I honestly thought I you know I can't watch I can't let my kids see this I can't let my husband see this it's just not fair to them the whole you know from what I understand with people when they're in that mindset they don't think about how much the people they're actually hurting by doing it they they think that you're taking the, the pain away and so it was selfish I know that um but my mind at the at the time said that that's yeah, so it was two attempts in in five days, and then six weeks, five to six weeks in hospital after that. Oh my god! Just like last week with Jimmy, who was on the podcast last week, and he was saying that he got to the point where he thought, "I'm probably going to die." And Lyndall was the same too, of getting to that point where you feel like so um, held captive by this thing that it's like, "I'm probably going to die," but I'm so helpless to do anything about this. Yeah. And like, it's, to me, that's just terrifying. Like to yeah. think that anyone could get to that point with this thing that, you know, oh God, it's, 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 it's just heartbreaking. I think when I was I've seen a psychiatrist and then, and he said, you know, like, how do you feel about stopping? And I said, I can't, I, I'm, I'm petrified to stop. There's mm. no way that I could do it. Like the, the thought of stopping was just like, how would I, I just didn't think I would cope. So then I lasted two years after that, stopped drinking for two years, which was really good. And then the, uh, the wine witch, the bloody sneaky bitch, we call her, don't we, Danny? <laughs> sneaky bitch. Yeah, yeah, she came knocking on my door two years sober. And uh, we are in, in Bali at the time and uh, thought, oh, I can have one. You know, I've got two years. I know the, how this story, you know, I'm, I've, I've got it under control now and, uh, nine months later, back in hospital again um, for detox, 
and lasted three days that time when I that's that that was it so many people like I hear this so often where like I got an email from someone the other day who's 10 years sober she was 10 years sober had a glass of champagne at I think it was her daughter's wedding then like that's all she had I think and then not long after that a couple more couple more couple more until she's full-blown back into drinking and, and can't stop just like I just can't stop even though she'd done that 10 years really successfully obviously and just can't get herself back to that point of being able to stop again. And so I'd say to anyone, I don't know of many people that have successfully been able to stop and then go back to having one, unless they've done maybe a lot of work on themselves. A couple of like Brad, the yoga teacher who was on a while ago, he's he's been able to do that, but very occasionally, and he really just doesn't even want to. Like it's not something that he's really looking for anymore. So I think once maybe once the healing's done, like there's a lot of healing, maybe I, I certainly wouldn't go there because I'm just too petrified that I'd go back and I'm not ashamed to admit that. But I, I really feel that if someone's thinking, oh, I'll, I'll just have one, really weigh it up because is it worth it? Is it worth what the hell, like one drink to, you know, and it's just so many people get tricked into that. It's yeah, incredible. It, absolutely. it's. So tell me, so you had a drink in Bali and then, then what? Like, so you thought you'd have just one and that obviously did, did that like straight back into full on drinking or wasn't it took, it was a, um, a slow, but definitely process. I suppose. Well, mm. cause we had the, the trip in Bali and honestly the, the first glass I, I didn't actually even really enjoy. And I went, this is excellent because I'm not actually really enjoying it. So I could have one. And, and didn't then, your girlfriend who was there say to you, don't do it, don't do it? Uh, this was my one of my very close friends. I'd said this was the follow-on from this trip. So mm. Bali was a week and then we were home for three weeks and then we'd had this magnificent holiday in Africa for five weeks planned. And the first night when we were in Africa, I was still just to, I think I was, well, no, I. everyone saw me have one, but I know that I had two or three. So it was I was hiding already. Um, and, you know, when, she, when my friend saw me and she's, and I said, don't worry, it's fine. I'll, I'm only having one. I'll be fine. And she said, just be careful. She goes, all right, but I'm telling you. So yeah, pretty much when we got back, um, that would have been the November. And so for 11 months or no 12 months. Yeah. Because I think it was November the following year that, yeah, last year that I contacted you or December, whenever it was. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that was ugly. Um, I'm going to say ugly when I look back at it now it was, but if, I, I guess if anybody else saw me and I mean, nobody, everyone knows that I was a drinker, but I don't think anybody knows what, to what extreme um, other than mm. the kids probably. And the, the forgetting the whole repeating yourself, because you told me that last night, mum. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. But it just, it was just taking control and I was taking more risks. Yeah. It was just that driving back from work that day that I heard the podcast with Amanda yeah um, which funny yeah. isn't that funny consequent <laughs> like you didn't realize this at no, the time no not at all it was no. only you were here um visiting and amanda was visiting at the same time you found realized you went to school together yeah, yeah. isn't that's that funny was, yeah and so yes yeah. um, yeah, so the 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 journey i could see in that 12 months i was just drinking more and more i knew that it would go down that dark i was getting down that dark dark hole again where um, the care factor for my life was becoming zilch again. And I just thought, no, nah, I, I just, hospital wasn't working, obviously. 
the the medication that I was on wasn't working. It was obviously meant to be because along with with joining the group, I met Wayne Dyer and um, (laughs) (laughs) force it down everyone's throat. (laughs) <laughs> and Louise Hay and yeah. all of those people resonated with with me and um and I'm just so fortunate that I have found that part of me that, that there self-love is a, yeah it is and I've and I've you know I'm doing the reparenting my inner child and um mm. and telling her that she is loved and was loved and will always be loved and I'll protect her and and, and stuff so yeah it's uh, so beautiful it is now <laughs> but yeah I guess, and I, I really resonated with with Jimmy's uh, the podcast you did with Jimmy in that the fact that the, just the no emotion that you feel, yeah. Um, and even now, I I'm it's starting to come forward. Like when we we're in the the group, I really found that everyone was crying. You know how everyone was releasing emotion, and I still yeah. still didn't. And I'm gone. And even when I tell this story, because when I told a psychiatrist when I was doing for and she said, Tracy, you tell that story as if you're reading someone else's. It's just straight from a book. Well, actually, you'd have more compassion for somebody else's story than you do your own. And it's true. Like I just, it's like, I guess because I've lived with it for so long, I just, it just comes out. like. And I guess like, as a safety resourceful, like as a resourceful thing, you, you learn to block your emotions because yeah. it's much easier to ignore them and to block them out with alcohol or whatever means it, it is that you use for survival. It's easier to do that sometimes than to feel the emotions because it's so hard or it's so hurtful or, you know, it makes, it makes sense to me that that's why, you know, you'd block, you'd push them down. You do. Yeah. And that's why drinking was great because I was having fun. I could be whoever I wanted and like I'd be, you know, in the beginning it was great. And it was, I mean, for a long time, it was my, it was my best friend. I think um, it does serve a purpose at first. You know, I say this all the time. It does serve a purpose in the beginning, and it's not until it becomes dysfunctional that it's a really problem. And then, then, then it's time to address it. And unfortunately, for so many people, they don't even get to that point. They do go too far down the rabbit hole. And it's so funny that the day because you'd emailed me and said you told me a bit of your story, and I thought, no, this lady's too far gone. Like, I can't <laughs> help her. <laughs> And you really wanted to join the group. And I was like, oh, okay, you better call me. And then we had that phone call. I was at my mum and dad's and we spoke for quite a while on the phone. <laughs> and even then I thought, I, I think I said to you, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, and then we just went, no, let's give it a go. And you, to look at you now. Really sorry. No, that's fine. I'll just cut it out. Uh, um, where was it going? Um, I'll just cut back a bit. And so when we had that phone conversation, when I was up at my mum and dad's place and we had you called and we talked through and I still thought, I don't know, you know, or don't know if I can really help you or not because of how far gone you were. But then when we said, let's just give it a go and see how it goes. And you've just been just such an inspiration to the whole group and your whole journey and uh, you just, for everything. And this is one thing I'd say to anyone that's joining like my next challenge or any in the future or anyone going into sobriety, even if it's not through one of my challenges through any, even if you're doing it on your own, you've got to go at it full, like really go for it. If you're going to do it, go for it. You can't go half-assed. And that's one thing you didn't do. Like you did all the daily practices, you did everything. And, and I think that that's, that's what makes the difference because you work bloody damn hard to get to where you are. Yeah. And it's, it's the learning. I mean, obviously I, I was desperate. 
and I think we even talked about it, it's, you know, the, the pills and stuff. It wasn't the pills for the depression and the anxiety that I needed to take. I needed to swallow my own pill and yeah. that was myself and my subconscious that I've named her Genevieve. Right? She's got a lot to bloody answer for <laughs> that Genevieve. <laughs> but I'm at the point now where I can talk to Genevieve and say, oh, Genevieve, you're doing it again. No, it's not me. And so I've separated there's actually two, well, there's one me, but there's that, that thing that she's probably as bad as the sneaky bitch as well. So, yeah. Um, and doing the, the, the mindfulness and the journaling and it's just been amazing. Um, and yeah, it's, it's hard, but it's, it's way easier than the alternative was and what of going back to the way I was because just that, I don't know, that just the no control, at least I have control over my thoughts now. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really important is that you do have a choice. Um, yeah. You've just got to put that in your subconscious um, and, and living, trying to live consciously. And I tried, I do something different every month. So my first, I started with a glass of water and I think it was one of Louise Hayes's or might've been, it was somebody, one of the, the books, there was a, a girl that was so disabled that she couldn't do anything, but, um, and she was really down on herself, but she could manage this glass of water. And that was her beginning. It was just one glass of water every day, like in the morning, just before I meditate, I make sure I have a glass of water and I look at the water and I taste the water. And um, Yeah, and be really mindful with the water. Yeah, that's, yeah. And, but I do believe the gratitude list, that's, that's where it started in my, in, with journaling with you, mm. is just writing down what you're actually grateful for. Um, yeah. And the I am's definitely um, helped, mm. are helping as well. And like, if you look at my journal when I first started, you know, there's like 20 words on a page now. It's, it, <laughs> but it's so good because it empties out all that stuff before you meditate. Um, mm. And you're just, you've got, what do you write? So, I don't know, just whatever comes to my mind, really. Yeah, yeah, it's so great. Do you have your letter, your goodbye letter that you wrote to alcohol at the end of the challenge? I think I do. So at the end of this challenge and, and with some people that I coach, even we just sometimes we'll do it early on, but in this particular instance, our group, I got everyone to write a letter, a goodbye letter to alcohol, which is something I did at the end of my 12 months when I was deciding whether or not I was going to go back on the alcohol. And Elton John did this. And as you know, I'm a mad Elton John fan. He did it. He wrote a goodbye letter to cocaine and alcohol. And I thought I'm going to do that as well for me. And I read you guys my goodbye letter to alcohol and you all wrote a goodbye letter and they were just so powerful. And I thought yours, if you could read it out today, would be amazing if you can find it. All right, here we go. Dear alcohol, without apologies or regret, I write to you to say goodbye and release you from my life forever. I know we have been together for many years and for most of them, I adored you, idolised you even. I would do anything to be with you. You lit up my every day and made my life so much better for me in my own mind. We laughed together, cried together, had fun together and caused quite a bit of trouble together. I defended you in every circumstance when others blamed you for changing me. You were my friend, my well-being, my everything. I truly loved you. I thought we would be together forever and I would be grateful for the way you allowed me to be. 
He gave me confidence and let me forget for a time. But then things began to change. I needed more of you to get the same peace. Even though you were there, you weren't giving me what you used to. I felt lonely and afraid. The anxiety and fear you helped me with in the past was coming back tenfold and just wouldn't go away. I tried to leave you a couple of times, but I could never stay away for very long. I felt so powerless against you. I loved you when I was with you, but the next day I remembered what we did, what you made me do, and I felt guilty, depressed, and hated myself and you. You kept me small and needy. You infuriated my children and took away my conscious presence in their lives so many times. I can never... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Never have that time with them again. I brought home men and moved them into our home, trying to find peace. We moved houses and they had to change schools. You made me a less than good mother. I lied, cheated, broke the law and hurt and used so many people. How ashamed you made me feel. You stole my self-worth and dignity. A couple of times I became so lost and desperate. I felt everyone would be better off without me. I tried to take my own life. I have been living without you for a little while now growing strength and power, faith and trust in myself. And I have decided enough is enough. It's time for you to go from my life to forever, to leave me and allow me to live a peaceful, happy and self-loving life without all the drama and unhappiness you caused. So farewell, alcohol. I do not regret our time together as I would never have learned the lessons I am learning. And I would not have begun this wonderful through com- though com- confronting at times journey of discovering myself and that I really am a good person. I can be conscious. I am love. I am brave. I am at peace in my own mind, body and soul. So that being said, with love and gratitude, I release you joyfully from my life forever. Tracy. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> it's so good. How did it feel for you to write that? Um great in mm. that I'd, I'd never really put down on paper I don't think I mean obviously in my own mind I'd known what I'd done but to actually write it out was confronting but yet releasing and it just um, cemented the fact that it's how happy I'm that it's gone mm. and I, um, I can be at peace and um, I can't make up for what I've done but I can just try and continue mm. and be better yeah, and that's amazing sorry i just cut you off 
no, no, that's fine. No, that's. How um, did it feel reading it back? Because it's been a couple of months since you wrote that. Just the same spot with the kids. And um, I think that's always going to be my, 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 my if, if I regret, it's I can't have that time back. Um, I'm just fortunate and grateful that I never lost them completely like some people um, have with when they've um, yeah, had the same same problem with alcohol and what it can do to your life. So, Yeah, absolutely. When you rang that night we had the conversation before you joined the challenge, Yeah, that night that you called me, what state do you think you were in at that point? Like how would you describe your the way you felt about yourself and the state you were in? desperate Danny um really I knew there was more I knew I could stop um because I'd I'd done it before and I I mean I've always I'm very grateful for my life I've had a good life I've um and I just knew that there was more purpose I just had to find it um and I was desperate um and obviously the stars aligned that night and mm. I was I was just I'll, I'll be forever grateful. Mm. And how be- far away do you feel from that that person? Like now today, how far away do you oh, feel? From that date when I wrote, oh gosh, oh, that's Genevieve, love, that's Genevieve. <laughs> She's a bitch. Oh no. But no, no, then that's and it's making peace with Genevieve, you know. She mm. you know, I, ne- I needed her. Um, I needed it. Mm. And now I don't. And yeah. that's that's great. Amazing. Thank you. You know, you're so amazing. You know, you've signed up to do Juliet Lever's NLP course and you're just absolutely smashing it. Thank and you. I think part of that that want to to learn, you're you know, you're always inquiring, you're always sort of searching and, and taking things on and giving it a go. And I think that's one thing I would say about you is just that you give it a go. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's important for me it was that I had to replace that so I didn't get bored. And the difference was with this time compared to last time as last the other times I, was, I just stopped drinking. That's all I did. I didn't do anything. So I didn't feel fulfilled. I just I just stopped drinking. Right? That was that was it. And, um, I mean, I didn't know what I was going to find. I didn't know whether I was going to like yoga like I always thought yoga was for people that were too lazy to exercise (laughs) 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 Um, because I was always uh, always chasing that demon I was always fight fight flight like and if I stopped that's when it when it caught up so the only time when it did catch up was when I started drinking so Mm. um, I was always busy always busy um, and exercise like with the you know running or gym or I had to sweat that was the only way that I sort of felt better Mm. but um yeah so just doing the the yoga and um and sitting Mm. with the stuff and it's like okay I can do this and the whole breathing like with you know your um double up breaths and and it 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 does work it makes it does make such a difference as I just to the fact that I can trust my body um, mm. to respond and I can trust my mind to respond now. And, I mean, it's not great every day, but I certainly don't have any um, cravings for alcohol. That's not what the issue is. Obviously, I had issues before I started drinking. So 
I've still got to work on those and um, life's better much. <laughs> so good. So, yeah, that was my next question. So how how so how many days sober are you now? Uh, I would it was five months on the 3rd of June. So, yeah, so, yay. So, yeah, and so obviously there are no cravings at this point, which is absolutely incredible. No, I've still had the feeling that I would get when I normally would rush and go and have a drink. Um, but I know that it's not the alcohol that I need. It's that's it's the the calmness that I need. So I'll finding it, that calmness in other ways. Yeah, yeah. But I still will grab a can of diet coke and and skull like even. And I think you, know, you said about being a quick drinker. I was always a quick drinker, mm. and it's it's amazing i can have a glass of water and still get that same fulfillment that of obviously mm. i don't get the effect of alcohol but it 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 helps me subside that anxiety thing so i mm. spill a glass of water and then go okay let's yeah. let's sit with it now and see where it takes us yeah so what's what's your pl- oh well firstly to what would be your main takeaway like so if someone's you know having the trigger they're getting triggered and they're really feeling like a drink in their early days what would be one of your things that you would recommend that you've learned to stave off stave off that craving I would the breathing is to sit and really sit and you'll feel like shit and and the Mm. the panic will be there or the, the the need will be there but just really try and sit and breathe into your stomach Mm. Um, not chest breathing because it's isn't this funny too like with being anorexic always sucking my stomach in I never breathed in my stomach at all always breathe from my chest because mm. I never wanted to have a and this was like right and so my breathing obviously I just got used to doing it that way um, but it's amazing how breathing into your stomach really does center you yeah um, and also I put my hand on my heart that helps yeah. for me yeah, that's beautiful. So with that breathing that we're talking about, the double up breath, that is, it's just basically, it's pretty basic. It's just breathing in for four and out for eight. So it's, you know, extending their exhale, really breathing into the diaphragm, really long, really slow. And if you can only, I say breathe in for four and out for eight, if all that's available to you is in for three and out for six, but whatever, whatever the amount is that you do, as long as you double the exhale, and that will just uh, takes you out of that fight or flight, gets you into more relaxed state. There's a lot of science behind this stuff as well. A great book, if anyone's looking into some breath practice too, is um, James Nestor, the book Breathe, Breath, Breathe, uh, not the Tim Whitten one. And he goes really deep into the effects of diaphragmatic breathing, nose breathing. And it was that was an absolute game changer for me, that book, just reading that and going, wow, you know, there's so much power in our breath centers us you know I mean most people know this anyway but just you know so when the craving is coming I just find just to sit with it too and just what is this all about and you know take some breaths and don't feel like you've got to run away from it don't even judge it just sit with it and just go okay what is this what's going on what's behind this why am I feeling so triggered right now and just you know if you can write it out write it out and then if you do have to get up and distract yourself do that but I'd say first and foremost, just trying to sit with it, just trying to acknowledge it. Yeah. And the heart thing for me is, um, hand on my heart, is that I look because of my inner child 
Um, and yeah. I know that I've, I've made that commitment to, to love that inner child. And it's amazing yeah. that I can not say that, you know, I'm learning to love myself. Um, I'm loving what I'm doing for, for myself, I guess, and, that, and the way that I feel. Um, so, you know, I'm worthy of love. And yes. um, I think Nicola Pera, um, she's a very good book. Um, yeah, that's a great book. And the um, doing the work uh, that book's doing, called, isn't doing, it? Yeah, yeah, doing the work. That's a fantastic one. And so that's what I've I started with. The um, I do a, a a daily one. My first one was conscious, so that I choose to be I'm allowing myself to be conscious and yeah, really taking note. And I think just yeah, just sitting and going that I am worthy of love. Yeah, I, it's it's just nice. <laughs> and, and even if it's not for me, who I am, it's not that person. It's not this body. It's yeah. what's inside of me that I'm loving. Um, yes. So yes, it's yes, yes. So it's not about you know loving yourself as far as you know ego because um, it's not. It's about it's about my spirit and my soul and um, yeah. It's not yeah. about being up yourself, mate. No, that's right. No. <laughs> <laughs> so when you up yourself, yeah, no, yeah. I'm not myself. Yeah. Just love myself. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because I'm fucking awesome. Awesome, yeah. Just ask me, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. A lot of people can confuse that when we talk about self-love. They I can think really they do. think, yeah. oh, hang on, I don't want to be up myself. And yeah. it's, it's definitely not about that. It's about cultivating some real deep love. Yeah, it certainly is. That's what I, for me, works. I guess everybody has to find their own. Yeah, what works for them, everyone's different. But I definitely feel that you're sitting with it, breathing through it. And like I say, yeah, if that's not working, okay, let's change tact, switch the focus, let's not get too fixated on it and just getting out of that state of reactivity. So having consciousness, conscious awareness about, and that's why I say like, what is this all about? Why am I feeling so triggered right now? Is it that I'm nervous to be around people? Is it that I'm lonely and I'm feeling a void there? And well, where does that loneliness come from? Why am I so afraid of being with sitting with myself? There's a lot of inquiry that we can just ask ourselves, just ask questions. Gee, you learn a lot about yourself. And that's where I talked to, you know, Genevieve. And I, that's helped me too, having my altar, like she's yeah. not me. She's like, and it's like, what are you, why are you thinking that, Genevieve? That's not how we think now. <laughs> I mean, I don't say it out loud, so people <laughs> lost the plot. But yeah. um, to me, it, it works. And, it's and Genevieve, is she, she's calming down now? She's getting a lot better. Yeah, thank you for asking. <laughs> Tell her I said hi. Tell her to fuck I off. <laughs> fuck off, Genevieve. Yeah, fuck off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but we love Genevieve. We do. I, I'm grateful for Genevieve because now I know the opposite of yes. what she brings. So, yeah, and absolutely. It's, and it's nice. It's, it is really nice. Yeah. So, Trace, if you could go back to 20-year-old, well, you know, you, any time really when you were younger, what would you say to your younger self? Mine would be, I knew you were going to ask this question, so I did have a bit of think about it. And I think it was that for that 10-year-old to, it that you are loved, that it's, mm. that it's okay, um, that I don't know that um, you don't need other people's acceptance as such. I think that would be for me that, you know, you're, you're okay. You don't need other people's, you know, what other people think of you, that's their own business. It's not my business and um, you're okay. 
God, imagine if we could all go back to our teenage selves and say, you know, you're enough just as you are and you don't need the approval of other people to get through this life. In fact, you're so much better off leaning on yourself. Yeah, that's a big lesson that I've learnt. It's taken me till I'm 56, but hey. <laughs> yeah, it's taken me till, you know, early 40s, but, yeah. but hey, you know, we get there in the end. I just, well, that's right. In my um, Gabor studies, he said, this, which I posted on Instagram yesterday, externalizing worthiness means we'll never feel worthy. So relying on other people to make us feel good, you know, we'll never ever no. get to a point where if we're needing that from people, we'll never get to the point where we feel good enough just as ourselves or just to be in our own company. And that's a big one to work on. But if it's something that we're striving towards and maybe we'll never get it perfect, but I tell you what, if we could teach our kids that, yeah. We could teach our kids. You know, it's funny. Um, I was talking to a mum the other day and she was saying she sent her kid off to a party with, you know, those lolly alcohol drinks, you know, those yeah. sugary, whatever you call like them. the cruises and stuff like yeah, that. And yeah, and that she was so proud because her daughter had the four drinks but she'd made them last the whole night and the daughter's maybe 16 years old. And I know so many parents that have that mentality and mine probably did as well that, oh, look, let's teach them how to drink responsibly now. But that's utter shit. Why should yeah. we teach our kids how to drink alcohol? And it doesn't usually end up that they're drinking responsibly anyway. Like all of us, we all end up big binge drinkers or daily drinkers. But why aren't we teaching our kids how to turn up to a party and be their authentic selves and to show up and be confident without alcohol and to teach them how to feel into their own body and, and know when to get, you know, if we could teach our kids that, oh, my God, how much I better off. Oh, would we have been would... if we were taught that? Exactly. And, yeah, it's, I guess it was, it really annoys me. That's the Aussie way. It's like, why? Mm. <laughs> Does it have to be the Aussie, Aussie way? It's um, certainly doing more harm than good. You're right. It's that, that whole needing to be liked. I mean, I know that as humans we need other people and we're not, we're not good on our own, but, you know, we need to be liked or have to be, you know, it's, it's that approval, that whole, because um, it's going through school, that was that was terrible for me. Like with, mm. you know, you didn't know one day you're in a good in, in the good with a group and the next day, mm. you know, you were not in the good. Yeah. And it's like, it's no wonder kids get confused. Yeah. I guess for me now knowing that that's, they've obviously, I've, I can feel compassion for people now in that, wow, what was going on for them? that mm. they had to be like that when you look at it like that it's it's you know this this love for everybody it's much easier to do and not harbor resentment and um anger or just That's so true yeah. i was reading um the other day it was a study that's been done where they were saying that the childhood suicides on the rise and teen suicides on the rise and pretty much all of them they're attributing back to bullying yeah. Or, or being um, ostracized by their peers. And I think, wow, that is just so sad that kids are so reliant on the approval of others. And it's got a lot to do with social media and being in such immediate contact with friends. So we're, they're relying on their peers for every sense of gratitude, not so much the parents, but more the peers. Yeah. And it's causing all sorts of problems. So if their world becomes the peers, then as soon as one of those peers turns around and says, anything like wrong to that kid or, or takes away their love and that, that that just makes the kid really disoriented they don't know what the hell's going on and well, they just can't cope with it uh, 
I agree. I think it was listening to a Gabor Mate podcast the other day or one of his speech uh, talks that he did and he was saying it should be taught in schools and I agree <laughs> so much. Imagine that as a lesson like in yeah. grade seven, first year. Yeah. Um, well, probably grade seven these days because grade six even because. Yeah. Um, and just to have kids to be told that, you know, they are enough and yeah. and to learn to love themselves and yeah, just to give them some tools to go into this thing called life. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> and send them into a party with a six-pack of fucking kombucha. kombucha. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So you are enough. Yes, there yeah. you go. You got your remedy there. You are enough and you don't need that. And I know it's hard because they're getting peer pressured, but we've got to teach them, like, you know, oh, God, I just so wish that that would be something that everyone could work on going forward with their kids. So that might be my little challenge to people on the weekend. I know it's hard because kids want that, but let's not set, you know, try to not set that up for your kids, you know. And I was also reading that the brain is not fully formed until they're, tw- they're 24, so any drugs or alcohol before the age of 24 is actually really detrimental to their brain health. Uh, so that's something to think about yeah. as well, where getting them to drink at 16 years old or, you know, I mean, I was sneaking booze at 13, but, yeah, you know, like you think, wow, a lot of damage was done back then. So, yes, let's change that. Yeah, I think, and I think if, if they could make it into, into a school, there'd be if, and every child was given that opportunity to have that lesson, there'd be enough that it would st- stick with. I mean, yep. you'd still have your cool kids that would go, nah, 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 but the, hopefully there'd be enough of the others that it did resonate that it might. Catch on. Yeah. Yeah, I well, mean, less and less kids are drinking. I must say kids seem to be not as, well, definitely not as many kids. It's becoming no. a little bit more socially unacceptable, and I think it actually is too with older people. It's kind of not. Maybe that's maybe the people I mix with these days. Maybe it's different, but I just feel like it's not so socially acceptable to, especially at, you know, our age. Like you don't want to be rocking up to a party with people smashed and it's just not so cool. So, you know, it's definitely losing its grip, hope, unless it's just, yeah, from my own perspective. But, yeah. Well, I could, yeah, I could lead you to a group and you could have walked. I mean, I could walk back because it was the kids' um dad and all the and all the friends and I love them to death they're great people don't get me wrong but um they haven't moved in 25 years like yeah. it's it's still every weekend and I know some of them have got issues that yeah um and it's like oh just want to it's a problem with us empaths you know we just want to yeah. fix the web <laughs> I know we're shockers but, uh, absolutely well thank you trace this is amazing for you to come on i know it's it's big for you to come on and, and share your story and you know it's great no, so i'm just I'm, so stoked as i said i just um if I, my story could get one person to just get sober curious yeah um and learn to love themselves a little bit more and f- find the peace i think that's what mm. As I said, it's hard work at times, but everything's hard work. It's hard work getting bloody over a hangover too. Um, so. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Like the, the moments now, and I, I, I didn't say it on there, but like my medication, I've gone from 60 milligrams a day to 20 milligrams of antidepressant a day. Wow. Um, and that's a month tomorrow I've been on 20, and so I'm going to go to 10 milligrams. And, and how's that feeling for that. you? Still feel good? Yeah, it's. I, I can certainly feel the old 
the anxiety and, and stuff coming, but I've got the tools now, Dad. Like I'm, I'm happy to sit with it. My body's meant to be anxious at times. It's, um, it's never known any other way from a very young age. Mm. And I just think with the medication, am I blocking? Because I want this emotion to come through. I want to cry. <laughs> I want to mm. really want to cry for my um, my ten year old self. I want really to. Mm. To, to do not to feel sorry for myself just to I just want some emotion back I think that's mm. um and you know you guys are all saying that about your sober sex um it's non-existent for me oh, I, just, I just cannot without being drunk just cannot still and I know so I know I need to get that sorted my poor husband but anyway um sounds like there's more work to be done yeah yeah I mean it's only early day it's only five months I've got to go yeah. the rest of my life yeah, oh mate, you'll be you'll be uh, going for it <laughs> like rabbits in no time. I'm sure with the way you work on yourself. That's it. So that's the plan. <laughs> Amazing, Trace. Thank you so much. No and I'll just say to anyone, we've um, the next challenge starts on the first of July. So if anyone's keen, there's not a whole lot of spots left. I think there might be nine spots left now, or eight, because someone signed up before. Um, yeah, so jump on or send me an email if anyone's curious about that or wants to know more about it. Highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. (laughs) Thanks for the plug, mate. No worries. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Trace. You're an absolute legend. Okay, no problem at all. Thanks, Danny. See ya. See ya. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.